Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Arjun? Hi, Tom. Where, where are you? We're, um, we're supposed to be doing the podcast. Oh, no. I forgot to tell you. I've had to go to Bletchley Park, just north of London, for the UK AI Safety Summit. <gasps> uh, I, I had no idea. I, oh, no. Is it not in our calendar? <laughs> I did know, of course. How, how, how's it all going, uh down in uh, whereabouts is Bletchley Park for our uh, international audience so it's just north of London by about sort of 40 minutes to an hour or so uh, and it is the home uh, of the very iconic code breakers during the second world war that's the that's the significance of it I think that's why they're doing this, this sort of AI summit here ah very good good nice little history lesson there and I'm sure we'll um We'll hear more about it when you uh, when you get back to the office. Um, you're at the halfway stage in your uh, your trip and uh, and the summit itself. How, how's it going? Yeah, I don't know if you can sort of hear some of the noise in the background, but it's a bit buzzy at the moment. Lots of people walking around. There's uh, sort of lots of government leaders, actually, a Canadian government minister just walked past me uh, just now. You had Gina Raimondo from the US here. Uh, as well, EU representation, UK government minister was speaking to earlier, and also a lot of companies, uh, you know, here about. So I actually saw the CEO of Palantir earlier and Salesforce. So mm. that was interesting. Elon Musk is doing the rounds as well here. So uh, lot, lots of interesting people, companies here, and they're all just talking basically about what are the big risks AI poses and, and effectively how to how to deal with some of those. That also leads us on to nicely to the. Uh to what we're going to be doing this week for our podcast. That's, that's right, Tom. I didn't forget about the podcast, but it was all very all very last minute, all very rushed. I was driving up the motorway this morning <laughs> on my way to Bletchley Park from London at about uh, sort of 6.30 in the morning uh, in the pouring rain, uh, but I'm ready and raring to go whenever we get a chance. Good, good, good. So we're, we're, the podcast will be coming, we'll record it a little bit later in the week, but at least we'll know exactly what sort of shenanigans you've been up to. Absolutely. I, look, I'll have a lot more to report. Plus, I might even let you in on what kind of lunch options they have here and breakfast options for that matter. I mean, let's let's lead with that. That's that's the big story. So. That's the big story. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. Riveting for our listeners, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, good to hear from you and um, keep well and we'll see you uh, in, a, in a day or two. Definitely, Tom. I'll be in touch and, and uh, we'll record the pod for our for our listeners. All right. Cheers, mate. Take care. Bye, mate. Cheers, mate. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the world of tech. I'm Tom Chitty and with me, virtually this time, is CNBC's senior tech correspondent Arjun Karpal. This week, the UK held a two-day artificial intelligence summit with world leaders, tech CEOs, academics and AI researchers all gathering together at the Bletchley Park campus. The meeting's main objective was to gain international consensus around the ethical and responsible development of AI. 
We'll be looking at how those discussions went and whether the huge benefits of this cutting-edge technology can outweigh the risk of mass job losses, rampant disinformation and even a threat to humanity itself. Beyond the Valley. Arjun, lovely to hear from you. Finally. How have you been? Yeah, good, Tom. Sorry about, you know, not, not being ready to record. It's this weird. We're not in the same room now and we're recording. I know we we can't we don't have those visual cues. Yeah. Where we look in, look into each other's eyes and know what the other's thinking. Yeah. So so this is going I think it, we're going to have to work on like brainwaves now from across different parts of London. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um well, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure we sure we'll be fine. How, how how was the uh the summer? Any uh, any good uh, stories? Any bit of gossip? Yeah, it was uh it was inter- I'll tell you a couple of stories. I was I was filming some stuff for for social media, um, and uh, I was there uh, recording a video. And who who walks behind me? Only the Prime Minister of the UK, Rishi Sunak. Um, that was lucky. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing was when I was driving home, uh, I was I was stuck in this sort of line of traffic at a red light, and I was thinking, why is it taking so long? Then I see this police motorbike with the sirens on zoom past me. I thought, oh, wow. Then another zoom past me, then another. And all of a sudden, there's this convoy of police driving past high speed. And in the middle of that convoy is a couple of large cars with the American flags on it. And I can only hazard a guess that that is Vice President Kamala Harris (laughs) on her way to the summit. So that was quite interesting as well i've had it uh, before a few times with the uh, whether it's a, a royal family member or or a member of government um but i've never had it with a u.s contingency from the uh, from the u.s government did it feel a bit more a bit more aggressive a bit more powerful it was it was it was impressive that's for sure i'd, I'd, I'd never seen it you know so i, I don't you know, hang around with the royal family like you do. So no, I haven't seen no, it as much <laughs> um, as you have. But um, it was impressive, I'll tell you that. It was impressive. Oh, well, good, good. So yeah. so the best, best two things that happened, one was on the road leading away from or leading from this summit and the other one was just a random um, photobomb from Rishi Sunak. Basically, but it was, but the that was the that was the whole point. It was so tightly controlled for media. Like mm. we had when we arrived, you arrive at this stadium, um, at the MK Dons football ground, soccer ground for yeah. our, for our American listeners. Um, League One. Uh, yes, yeah, I think so. Um, so. That's the se- third tier of English Premier League uh, Premier f- um, professional football. Just for anyone's not sure. Yeah, good context. So you you rock up to the ground and then um, you have to sort of go through airport style security and then you've got to get on a bus and that takes you to Bletchley Park where this AI safety summit was was being held uh, and just just for a bit of context Bletchley Park very historic famous place the home of the the code breakers the UK intelligence during the second world war that's why they were holding the summit there and then you could kind of get off and as soon as you get off this bus you have to go through a media entrance and then you're only allowed in very specific places uh, and you it's it's very difficult to get near anyone to get near how, how, long, how long did it take to get from from the you know arriving at the stadium into your position your tv position 
to be fair, that was pretty quick. You know, we 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 rocked up to the stadium, air, airport style security, super quick. We were through in about a minute or two. Jumped on the bus. That was about a six seven minute drive. I want to say straight off the bus, walk through. That was another sort of three four minutes. So then we're right at the TV position. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, but you still had to get escorted, didn't you, from uh, from the TV position to the media center? Basically, yeah. Um, you did. You had to get so you. It, to ensure that you didn't run off anywhere and try to doorstep anybody. Doorstep for our, for our listeners is when, you know, you see someone you want to interview and you kind of just ask them uh, mostly politely, excuse me, can we grab a couple of questions with you, you know. Uh, but but <laughs> it didn't turn out great, did it, from what you were discussing with me? No, it was, it was very tightly controlled. I, I get it. I do understand it. Uh, you know, it's high profile, etc. So I get the security point of view. I get all that. But also there's there's all this sort of, you know, discussion at these high levels. And, you know, we, we'd like to know, you know, what is being discussed amongst these governments and companies when mm. it comes to this AI development and safety. You know, it's hard to get that information as well, always. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's something they'll look at next time. Um, but anyways, all, all in all, very fascinating kind of, you know, set up and, and to see it all happen. And and lots of good discussions were had on the ground. I, I certainly had a few interesting ones with some people, which... We'll, we'll get into. Good, good. All right. Um, before we get there, coming up later in the episode, we'll also be discussing uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, who, uh, which are launching a subscription service in most of Europe that will remove adverts from the platforms. This comes after Elon Musk added a subscription service to X, formerly known as Twitter. So will this be the business model for all social media platforms going forward? Um and we'll also be talking about, sorry, more AI news, but Chinese tech giant Alibaba has launched an upgraded AI model to challenge Microsoft and Amazon. Um, so lots to get into, but just to remind our listeners that if you have any questions on tech or anything that happens in the podcast, um, then the uh, email address is beyondthevalley at cnbc.com. So do email in and we will answer those on the podcast. Um but before we get to our main story, we have, of course, got to hear Arjun's stat of the week, which is... Uh, £400 million, pounds, approximately. £400 million. Pounds. Let me just write that down. Very good. Okay, and back to our main story. The UK's AI Safety Summit, as it's officially known, took place this week to great fanfare. But as concerns grow around the rapid advancement of AI technology... Many want regulation, and they want it quickly. Arjun, why was this summit such a big deal? Well, you, we've had a lot of discussions um, over the years about AI and the potential impact on society, what it could do to jobs, what if what happens if it gets too powerful, all this kind of stuff. And that was really what was at the forefront of, of this particular summit. And it's happening now because, you know, we've done, we've spoken about things like generative AI on previous episodes, the likes of ChatGPT, and what seems now the rapid advancement of this tech almost sort of out of nowhere and moving quicker than perhaps uh, the regulators and governments can comprehend and understand. And so what the point of this kind of summit was, was to look at what the UK government called frontier AI, you know, more advanced AI, and and some of the risks that come with that. Now, 
there was a couple focuses, and that is one about how AI could be misused. For example, um, you know, where a, where a bad actor is aided by AI to do cyber attacks, for example. The second focus was on loss of control, and that is what happens if you lose control of these AI systems. Um, and that's really what the discussions were, were focused about. The Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, UK Prime Minister, spoke ahead of the summit by a few days, and he, you know, warned that one of the risks is that humanity could lose control um, of AI uh, in the future as well. And so the point of this summit was to gather global leaders, gather companies involved in the development of AI and talk about and try to come up with a shared understanding of the risks that are posed by this kind of AI. Uh, and then also figure out what international collaboration looks like on AI safety uh, and then figure out also, you know, what measures uh, can be taken to increase AI safety. So these are some of the things that that the summit w- was looking at, really. Okay, and I, I, I suppose the, the the next part of this conversation is what was achieved. But I, I imagine that from what you've said, the, that these were informal discussions. We weren't sort of expecting necessarily a formal treaty, were we? Or, is that something that was was in the offing? Yeah, no, you are right. We weren't expecting sort of some all of a sudden some brand new AI rules to be to be happen globally. You know, what I think was trying to be achieved was was a few things, and and whether it was achieved, we'll, we'll take a look. Firstly, this was about getting people around a table to discuss AI risks, and it was about getting countries, government level to discuss the risks. And I mentioned the prime minister there. I mentioned Kamala Harris um, attending. I mentioned, I think, Elon Musk, or maybe I haven't yet, but he was uh, also attending uh, the summit, as well as Microsoft's president, Brad Smith, and a few other very high-profile people. Um, And so getting companies, governments, lawmakers, leaders around a table from around the world to discuss, that was achieved, yes. So that that was definitely a success. Then... What I think you saw also was the US and the UK both announced what they called uh, an AI safety institute. Um, and again, the, the goals of this are interesting. I think it the idea is to look at the models that underpin um, some of these AI uh, tools uh, and then sort of you know assess them, look how safe they are, the, the biases involved in them, how they're being developed, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I had a chance while I was on the ground there to catch up with Michelle Donnell. She's the Secretary of State in the UK for Science, uh, Innovation and Technology. Uh, and I asked her what the purpose of this institute is. Yeah, so we already in this country have a Frontier AI Task Force that is uh, equipped with some of the best minds around the world on AI. People like Joshua Bengio, often referred to as one of the godfathers of AI. Also people like Anne Keese-Butler, who is from GCHQ. So top talent is already working in that area. But we're taking that to the next chapter, which is a safety institute that will then work with other institutes around the world. We know America, they've just announced today that they're going to set up their institute. And as uh, um, Secretary uh, Raimondo has commented herself, they will work together in lockstep. And what the institute will actually do is evaluate the models. So it will be able to be a third party reviewing them so that we can identify if there are any problems and we can protect the British public whilst also embracing the opportunities. The other thing that came out of this summit was something they called the Bletchley Park Declaration. And this was signed by 28 organisations. 
sorry, 28 countries, uh, I mean. And, and they agreed through this declaration that substantial risks may arise from potential international misuse or unintended issues of control of frontier AI with particular concern caused by cybersecurity, biotechnology and disinformation risks. I'm just reading off the release right now. So the declaration sets out agreement that there is, quote, potential for serious, even catastrophic harm, either deliberate or unintentional, stemming from the most significant capabilities of these AI models. Countries also noted the risk beyond frontier, frontier AI, including bias and privacy. And the, 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 this pact, this uh, declaration recognizes the need to deepen understanding of these risks, but also working together is paramount. And so there's nothing concrete in there. We don't have new rules. We don't have new laws. But certainly um, it was a success um, in that sense that people were around a table talking about it. Uh, and hopefully there is now international consensus being built around safety, around AI. And just one other point for the UK, you know, the UK is going to definitely chalk this up as a big win. You know, the government, no doubt, is going to going to going to tout this as as a as a sort of example of leadership in the space etc etc and of course um how the uk's position in the in the in the rapidly evolving world of ai how that how that standing is remains to be seen let's talk a little bit more about that because obviously on day one of the summit you know obviously you know rishi sunak's hoping all eyeballs are on the uk and on this summit and you know it's it's all going well and then obviously the u.s well, have I've seen written in the news that have been upstaged by the US's uh, own regulation plan for AI. How much of this is uh, positioning, manoeuvring, if you will, uh, for countries to be seen or to corner the AI market, uh, whether it's regulation or future industry in the sector? Yeah, I mean, that's that's valid. I think it is certainly about that look i i think there's a genuine there is a genuine part of it that is about look there is just technology and and countries are thinking about how to keep their society safe right but there is also that flip side of it of countries saying well we know this is a technology that is uh is strategic in many ways um in the sense that if ai delivers the promises that that many people have said about what it can potentially achieve then you know this is this is certainly a very strategic technology in many areas such as uh, health and science but also military and 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 cybersecurity and all of these other areas that governments of course are are incredibly uh, focused on and so this is about the UK trying to sort of throw its hat at the ring we know the US and China are kind of right now a superpowers in AI uh, they have a lot of, they have deep pockets a lot of big tech companies a lot of talent there to develop that the UK, I think, wants to sort of almost flex its muscles to some extent and say, hey, don't forget about us. You know, we have some pretty impressive technology, too. We've got world leading universities. We've got a lot of talent here. We've had some big companies come out of the UK. So I think partly it is that. And for the gov, I guess, you know, you separate UK industry from the government, from the government's perspective. You know, they want to be seen, no doubt, as, as doing something about this. So there's there's jostling for, for position between the countries, but there was also a little bit of uh, uh, tension, shall we say, between um, some companies as well. Um, I heard there was a 
a disagreement, if you will, between DeepMind and Meta. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, but but uh, and this to set the context here, it, it's all a debate, right? Everyone's debating their views on AI right now and safety of it all, et cetera, et cetera. And when it comes to the risks around AI, there's sort of these two quite opposing camps and there doesn't seem to be too much in the middle at the moment. You've got the one side, um, what I like to call the Elon Musk side, uh, which says, you know, AI is going to sort of be very harmful to humanity um, and could destroy humanity. Uh, that's something that Elon Musk has said in the past. Um, uh, and it could get so advanced, we lose control, et cetera, et cetera. The other side is, well, these arguments are so overblown. Uh, and what you're talking about are, you know, scenarios potentially so far away and unclear if they'll ever even happen. And actually, by talking about those scenarios, we're, we're ignoring the near-term scenarios you think about and we talked about this tom on the on the generative ai podcast you think about some of the ways that ai right now could be used for misinformation or for doctoring video or images right mm, and or so music. or music and so you know some argue well like you've got the destroy humanity arguments then you got no this is just overblown and we're distracting from from the real life uh, or, or some of the the near-term scenarios so that's the two sides. But also there's there's another part of it here, and that is the, what you're alluding to. So Yan LeCun uh, is Meta, the company that owns Facebook and Instagram, Meta's chief AI scientist. And he posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, a few days ago. And, and what he said um, was that DeepMind, he named uh, Demis Hassabis, who is the CEO of DeepMind, which is a company that Google bought back in 2014, very advanced AI company, and he named some others. He, he accused them of doing massive corporate lobbying at the moment. And he said they are the ones who are attempting to perform what he calls, quote, a regulatory capture of the AI industry. Uh, and then he goes on to say... It's, quite, it's pretty strong words, that, isn't it? Strong words. And then he goes on to say, if your fear-mongering campaigns succeed, they will inevitably result in what you and I would identify as a catastrophe. A small number of companies will control AI. And what I think he's saying here is that there's all these people who are talking about these doomsday scenarios in a bid to kind of scare lawmakers into regulating AI very quickly. As a result, this would then create all these closed systems that are owned by the tech giants. Um, and, you know, it it may kill off so-called open source systems. Now, I just want to set the context here. He has a vested interest here. Meta has its own open source uh, system, uh, foundational model called Llama. So there is that as well. But anyways, that was his his accusation. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on cnbc.com um and, and his his comments pretty strong right yeah yeah very um yeah well 
it, it's jostling for position again, isn't it? It's, you know, who's going to be in charge? Who's going to, how are we, what are the systems going to be in place to govern this? You know, are we going to have some sort of committee of, of, of companies, committees of, you know, leading superpowers, but then, you know, what happens to developing markets who want to also be a part of that, you know, a lot of voices who different opinions. I mean, it's going to be interesting how it plays out for sure. Um, I, one thing uh, I wanted to do, sorry, you, you go. No, I, I just wanted to say just quickly before, before we move on is, is that, that those are some pretty strong accusations. And, and luckily I actually had a chance to catch up with Demis Hassabis, who's the CEO of Google DeepMind. Um, and I asked him his response to this. I pretty much disagree with most of those comments from Jan, but I think the way we think about it is, um, you know, there's probably three buckets of risk that we need to worry about. Um, there's sort of near-term harms, things like misinformation, deep fakes, these kinds of things, that, and bias and fairness in the systems. We, gotta, we need to deal with that. Then there's sort of the misuse of AI or, you know, bad actors uh, repurposing technology, general purpose technology for bad ends that they were not intended for. Um, and so that's a question about proliferation of these systems and access to these systems. So we have to think about that. And then finally, I think about the more longer term risk is technical AGI risk. So the risk from the systems themselves, making sure they're controllable. What values do we want to put into them? How do we set their goals and make sure that they stick to them? And that's why I think it's worth discussing those things now. And I don't I don't accept that that's just fear mongering. I think these are genuine concerns. Um, of course, we all expect and the reason we're working on AI is that we expect this to be amazing and beneficial for society. But it's only if uh, we make sure we use it responsibly and deploy it in the right way. So obviously, Demis, there uh, disagreeing with what Yan has to say. But but look, I think this is just really hits to the core, I think, of a lot of the issues we're seeing in AI. This is a, this, these are companies sort of fighting out, these are governments sort of jostling for position, um, and everyone's trying to obviously show themselves as a leader in the technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was China and um, their involvement in the summit. How significant is it that, that they were there, that they were invited and, you know, you had obviously a big sort of American delegation there as well. Um, how, how did you see that while, whilst you're on the ground? It was very significant, I think. Um, I asked, you know, I was speaking to, to Michelle Donnellan, who you heard from earlier, the Secretary of State for, uh, for Science, Innovation and Technology, about this. So, so what happened is the, the UK um, invited China to this conference. And there were a lot of question marks that eyebrows raised, you know, why are you inviting China? You know, there's a lot of tension between China and, and the UK at the moment, a lot of geopolitical tension between China and the US too, and particularly as it relates to technology. And um, they invited it. And uh, Wu Jiahui, who is the vice minister of science and tech over in uh, China, attended and he, and he gave a speech and he said, look, um, effectively saying, look, we're willing to work with the global community on these issues, on a framework for governance of AI, etc. Um, but the context here is that China is seen uh, as, in many respects, in technology as a competitor to the US, to the UK and elsewhere. And in China, they have been developing AI very quickly. And they, ha- they are amongst the first in the world to bring out regulation, like law, around AI development and around certain areas. That's a bit, uh, it's a lot to go into it now, but there's lots of various laws and they're amongst the pioneers of that. And But of course, 
you know, if you think about China, it has its very own unique system of internet that is heavily controlled, heavily monitored, heavily censored. And so those rules that they have domestically um, also play into that when it comes to AI development. And so when you think about China's involvement in the global scale, there's some who question, well, will China be willing to work globally with global standards? Will they work with the US and the UK and the EU, etc.? Uh, and will they be involved in those global standards? And that's a question I put to Michelle Donnellan. I think it is uh, massive, the fact that China have attended this summit in the first place. And we do, as the Prime Minister said last week, at least have to try to engage them in this conversation. To me, I always compare it to climate change. If we all act individually and in isolation and not in a coordinated and collective fashion, we won't have the desired impact. And AI is exactly the same. It doesn't respect geographical boundaries. And as you all have seen from uh, the minister's responses today, they too are engaged in this debate. They too recognise the risks and they too want to work on some of the, the mitigations. So, so the point here, I think, from the UK government is really that, look, we can't, how can we have a chat about safety of AI if we don't include one of the world's AI superpowers, that is China. And that's what happened and, and China attended. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see. My, my question here, I think, and I don't have an answer, but my question here is this. Do we get to a point if things keep going the way they're going in terms of geopolitics and in terms of technology where global standards around AI safety or regulation, etc., begin to emerge. And you have two camps. You have a US, UK, Europe-led standards, set of standards, and then you have a China-led set of standards. And countries ascribe to kind of different standards. Does that happen? That's a big question, Mark. Not just for AI, other technologies too, but that's that's a question I'm throwing out there. Mm, yeah, really interesting. Again, it's that tech, you know, rather than maybe bringing countries together, working together, could this ultimately end up, you know, creating a greater divide between those two global factions, should we call them? One thing also I wanted to talk about was Elon Musk's presence at the summit. Um, we are recording this before he's about to have a live chat with UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Uh, what do you think that's... You know, we don't know what they're going to talk about necessarily or what's going to be said, but uh, what do you make of his presence there? It was, it was, it was um, really funny because we were sort of all standing around, you know, various camera operators and reporters and stuff. And I told you, you know, it's super tight in terms of security and getting around. Everyone's like, oh, I wonder where Elon is. I wonder where he's going to pop up. Is he going to, you know, come through and, and that kind of stuff. Um, sadly, we didn't get a sighting of him um, at that point, but he was there. Um, you know, heavily, no doubt, heavily uh, disguised, <laughs> maybe. He's disguised, but, yeah. heavily guarded at least. Heavily guarded, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but he was certainly there um, talking and meeting um, with uh, policymakers and other companies. You know, there's lots they could talk about. I think, you know, uh, the Prime Minister of the UK uh, probably wants to be seen, to be with, you know, uh, someone who's seen as a as a major technologist uh, in the AI space. And of course, with Tesla developing AI tools, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, they could talk about not just about AI, but what about Tesla and its investment in the UK, maybe? Um, no doubt the UK government would love Tesla to invest some more money in the country, whether it's manufacturing or something else. Uh, that could be an interesting topic. Uh, safety on X, 
the platform that that Musk now owns. That could be a topic of discussion. The UK has some new digital rules um, that are coming into effect as well. So there's there's the, the 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 conversations I think endless there. But certainly Elon Musk was even though sort of barely anyone saw him at the conference was still sort of the number one talked about topic. Yeah. Um, well, um, let's, uh, well, we can discuss the the conversation they have next week, <laughs> next week's episode. Uh, if there's any uh, nuggets for us to, uh, to pour over, then we will talk about those in uh, next week's episode. I'm sure. Should we put a bet um, on? We'll put a bet on. I reckon he will talk about AI and how dangerous it is to humanity. <laughs> I think. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm going to give you great odds for that. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to leave that uh, story there for now, um, and the AI chat for a minute, and we will uh, now explore what else is happening in the world of tech. Beyond the valley. So, Facebook and Instagram are going to be launching an ad-free subscription service in Europe. Arjun. Do we expect users to flock towards an ad-free version? I was going to ask you that. Would you pay for <laughs> Facebook and Instagram? So it's it's no, in the European... No. no. Okay. So no. here's the, well, here's the prices. Yeah, I'll give on. you the prices first. So in yeah. the European Union, 27 countries, um, plus the European Economic Area in Switzerland, you'll be able to pay €9.99, which is roughly $11 uh, per month, on the web for access to Facebook and Instagram ad-free, or €12.99, roughly $14 per month, on iOS and Android um, to access the ad-free version of that. Um, Yeah, would you pay? No. (laughs) Even after the prices. My point, I think the way ads are done on those platforms, I I do, I appreciate they are tracking me, um, but... I also feel like I have some element of control in the sense that I can, you know, say I'd like to see less of these ads. They're not relevant. Um, So if there's something that's really being, you know, I feel like I'm being bombarded with, I do have a control. uh, Well, I believe I have some element of control to say, no, I'd rather not see that sort of stuff. Um, And that then, so then I'm sort of being targeted with ads that I'm sort of okay with you know, seeing, and that to me is a price worth paying for not having to pay out of my pocket. That, yeah, that's a good point. I still, you know, there's this, there's always, there's so much to talk about here, but quickly, there's always that thing, like, is your phone listening to you? Are these, you know, and then, so, (laughs) yeah, funny story. I was sat on set the other day, uh, at the CBC studio, uh, and Steve, one of the anchors, um, and Karen, the other anchor of Squawk Box, um, Europe, were talking about Kylie Minogue. Steve opens his Instagram not long later, and there's adverts for Kylie Minogue. Now, I'm not saying there's a, there's any kind of correlation here because, you know, it, he may have been searching for that somewhere else, and those cookies were tracked and all that, and that's fine. So I'm not I'm not making the call that you vote, but it's just interesting, isn't it? Because that's a debate that people love to have as well. Yeah, I'd love to know what Steve's response to finding (laughs) targeted ads (laughs) was there some some consternation about it no he he was yeah he he was a bit shocked um but you know i tried to reason with him say what what if you were searching you know for carly minogue um tickets i don't know (laughs) 
You know what still bugs me though is is you know when you on a website or an app and it 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 asks you about cookies and there's an entire essay like a massive essay and there's two options it's like allow cookies or reject cookies and some websites don't even give you the reject cookies it's like customized cookies and then if you yeah. really if you really can be bothered and care about your privacy you do go into customized cookies and you click some on and off and stuff but you know there, there's still a lot of work to do i think on on privacy and yeah and, and the... making that process much more user friendly because currently it's not I, I, there are some sites where it just says, do you want to see less relevant ads, which I always click, um, which actually goes against what I was saying about Instagram. But I didn't necessarily want to be tracked on some sites um, rather than others. And I'm happy to be, you know, to scroll through the ads um, when I'm looking at, say, a sports news website. Exactly. I, just a quick one. Why? why yeah, we've not spoken about why you know, Meta's doing this. It's basically because they were hit with this massive fine in January by Ireland's data protection regulator. Uh, the reason it's Ireland is because Facebook's or Meta's European headquarters is based in Dublin and Ireland acts as their regulator in the EU. Uh, and what the regulator found was that in order for users to access Meta's platform, they had to accept these terms of service and therefore accept their use, uh, like their data being used for targeted ads. And the Irish regulator said, well, this practice breached the EU's data protection rules. Um, and Meta tried to, to challenge the ruling, um, but uh, that was unsuccessful. And then Meta moved to this, this method of consent where users actually have to consent and accept these terms that let Meta target it with target users with ads using data collected from its platforms. Um, and Meta actually said the reason it's introducing these subscription services is aimed at addressing the regulatory concerns that have arisen. Um, and, it, and it's because um, the European Court of Justice, which is the top EU court, said in a ruling this year when Meta was challenging the initial Irish data protection regulator's um, decision, the, the European Court of Justice said that actually the company may offer an alternative version of its service that does not rely on data collection for ads. So effectively, as long as Meta has these two different services, it can still offer uh, one, you know, ad platform that uses the data as long as users consent to it. And then it's also got the alternative for you to use ad free if you really don't want that. And that's why it's introduced the, the ad free subscription. Okay. Um, the other story that we want to discuss is Alibaba, uh, who have launched an upgraded AI model. Um, what, what's is this? Is this big news, um, or is this just an update that you know we're probably going to see a lot of updates to AI models? I imagine. Certainly, I I think it's big news in in terms of one feature they released. So Alibaba has this sort of model, this AI, large language model. We spoke about it on the Gen AI podcast called Tongyi Tianwen, uh, and they've released version two point Impeccable but it, pronunciation. Oh yeah. mate, my my Mandarin is not great. Uh, I really have tried uh, when I lived in China. I mean, and it it's might okay. take me might take me a, a week to pronounce it as well as you do. So you know, <laughs> give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> but the the one. <laughs> So as part of this update, 
uh, the one the one thing they introduced was something they called uh, quote Gen AI service platform. Um, it's you know the name's not that catchy, but what it does is interesting. So if you're a company and you want to build your own generative AI application, you know you, it's very difficult for you to do that from scratch. So effectively, what you do is you use this service that Alibaba Cloud offers, um, and um, you can build a generative AI product specifically for your business. Now, a lot of businesses have told have told their employees stop using ChatGPT and other public services because you're putting you know private company data into these public platforms. So the aim of what Alibaba is doing is to create this product where companies can put their private data into a, a custom made kind of Gen AI product for their business, and that competes with something that Microsoft has called Azure OpenAI Studio and Amazon's Bedrock services. Um, and so that's why it's a big deal because Alibaba now sort of really saying to the big US tech giants, look, we're coming on the, you know, we're coming forward with some with some competitive products now uh, on the global scale. Um, and so that's why I thought this was a, was an interesting story. Mm. No, it is. It is. Um, OK, um, right. That's that's almost all we've got time for. But let's uh, let's do stat of the week. Which is four hundred million pounds. I'll give you a little clue, Tom. Um, yeah, if you'd like. So obviously, you know, it's related to this, and it involves one of the companies we spoke about in this podcast. I don't know if that helps or not, but it does. It does. Um, the uh, I feel like it could be Deep Mind related. Oh, okay. Originally, <laughs> I'd written down. Uh, the AI industry in the UK's worth is four hundred million pounds, but that's clearly not right. So I'm going to go with the amount uh, that uh, uh, Google bought DeepMind for the back in 2014. Was it? Bravo, Tom! Bravo! You did it <laughs> finally. Yes, you got it right. Cry. I can't believe it. Wow! You I should want be. To thank my- my, my family, my my colleagues, and anyone that's ever supported me. Lucky number seven. This is the seventh episode. And, <laughs> you know, you've got it right. Wow. I'm proud of you, Tom. I'm proud of Thanks you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I hope our listeners got that too, because uh, I'm sure it was quite easy. But, um, you know, it takes me a little bit longer. Than most, uh, but that is all we've got time for this episode. Uh, well done, Arjun, for uh, making it happen. Uh, and it's our first remote. I'm sure we'll do more in the future. Uh, but for our listeners, before you go, please follow and subscribe to the show. And if you have any questions on tech, remember you can email beyond the valley at cnbc.com. And uh, that's that's it. So thank you, Arjun. Thank you, Tom. We'll be back next week for another episode of Beyond the Valley. Goodbye. Beyond the Valley.